The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you as always here Saturday morning. And as always, for the next 30 minutes, we'll take a very candid, open, honest look at gambling addiction, uh, not just the, from a negative standpoint, but also the fact that you can overcome the addiction, that life can be good again. And while it may seem like the walls are caving in on you right now, uh, we hope to talk to people throughout these Saturdays to let you hear from people who've been in the exact spot you might be in now and hopefully also share stories so that if you have a loved one that might be going through it, you kind of recognize some of the signs. Joining me as always is my main man, Dan Trelaro. Danny's with Epic Risk Management. They're a European company that's now hit the States and is doing some really amazing work with uh, all the different sports leagues and corporations and the NCAA to try to uh, raise awareness for uh, problematic gambling. Danny, of course, comes to us originally from the New Jersey Council on Compulsive Gambling. Dan, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, Craig. Good morning. How are you? Doing great. And uh, happy to have us with us from Florida this morning. Uh, our guest today, Matt. Matt, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Craig. How are you? Great. Good to have you here. Matt's originally a New Yorker, but I don't blame him spending time in Florida. Uh, <laughs> if I may ask, how long has it been since you last wagered? My last wager was on January 16th of 2002, so just shy of uh, 20 years. Great. Well, congratulations on that. That's awesome. That really is That's awesome. Uh, let's go backwards and tell your story here a little bit. Um, when did you first kind of... Uh, catch the bug and, and start gambling, even if it wasn't problematic. What was your life experience uh, early on with gambling? I think when I was around 12, 13 years old, got a knock on my bedroom door, and my father walked in, who was also a compulsive gambler, and asked me to borrow some money. And he was going to uh, place a wager at uh, Roosevelt Raceway. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of my first experience. And then uh, as I, I got a little bit older, into my early 20s was when I really started to get the urge to gamble. Got it. Do you remember as a kid thinking either, hey, it's so cool that my dad gambles, or did you go on gambling, like, trips to tracks with him, or do you remember looking back saying, that's kind of odd that you know, my dad needs money from me? Yeah, I, I kind of thought it was a little odd that my dad needed money from me to uh, obviously uh, for his problem. However, uh, I did also kind of look at it as, hey, you know what, he's going to OTB, maybe this is a fun thing, let me go hang out with him, and uh, I'd take some trips with him to uh, OTB, and once in a while, I think I hit Roosevelt Raceway with him back in the day. Got it. So as you started gambling on your own, was, was it horse racing, or was it something else? No, nah, mine was strictly, at the beginning, was uh, casinos. Uh, I was... Uh, working in the financial service industry in the early 90s, and that was kind of the thing to do back then was, you know, go to casinos, gamble on uh, sports, things right. of that nature. Got it. Dan, it's a, it's a usual refrain where there's some connection to, you know, a, a dad, a grandpa, an older brother, where although Matt didn't say he was cool, it was still the, uh, the first kind of introduction to it, so it didn't come with any of the warnings or, you know, negative stereotypes, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's what we see. You know, it's just something that people are doing. You don't even think twice about it while you're getting involved. You're spending time with someone you idolize, you look up to. And then, you know, Matt just kind of threw something in there that, uh, like myself, was involved in the financial services industry. 
And, and there's certain personality traits that I'm sure we'll talk about today that kind of lend themselves to the type of gambling that, that Matt did, that I did, you know, that you did. But financial services industry is an interesting, uh, I guess, job background, too. I'd be looking to learn a little bit more about that. Yeah, I guess a lot of people can say, you know, listen, if you're a guy picking stocks, that's a form of gambling, uh, you know, if, in some people's uh, view of it. Were you a numbers guy, Matt? Is that what your thing was, like the way your brain worked? You like to process numbers quickly? Um, were you playing blackjack? Was that your thing? Or you know, how did you manifest the financial background as far as a gambler? Sure. So as far as uh, going to the casinos, it was just strictly for the action. I enjoyed, you know, sitting there at the table and trying to be a high roller. As far as the sports uh, gambling, which really catapulted me to my bigger issues down the road, I loved uh, stats, and that's always been my thing. Still to this day, I love sports. I know <laughs> I try to follow everything, the stats of all the ball players, and just try to figure out, hey, who's going to win the game tonight? Got it. So at what point, when you look back at an hour with the clarity you have, having not wagered in almost 20 years, do you look back and go, all right, now I can see where I, the problem began? Is there a moment in time where you can now definitively say, I wasn't gambling in a quote-unquote responsible or normal manner? Absolutely. Uh, again, my early 20s was when I really started to take it to another level. I used to see, uh, as we just spoke a couple of minutes ago in the financial service industry, guys would come in from the weekends. They talk about how much they lost uh, for the weekend or you know how much fun it was. And I was like, wow, this seems pretty cool. I'm like, I might as well check this out. And I started going with them to casinos. And then it started getting into all of a sudden now I have my own bookmakers and I'm gambling, and I'm like, this is out of control. But where it really went to another level was when I started experimenting with some drugs, and I was uh, literally placing wagers on both sides with two different uh, bookmakers. <laughs> and then I had to say to myself, wow, this is really uh, out of control here. It's one thing for uh, you know the, the, the scamdy cappers of the world to give people both sides of a game. It's, it's, it's a whole nother thing to bet both sides of a game. <laughs> like, yeah. So what, when you did that, did you know you did it? Or was it after the fact you're like, oh, son of a gun, I had both sides of that game? Yeah, you know, back then, I mean, my, my life was so, you know, the self-deterioration sure. and out of control. And, you know, to be quite honest, I, I don't really even think I knew what I was doing. I was just trying to be cool. I had my friends over. I was betting all kinds of money and thought maybe, hey, if I can catch, you know, in between the, the high and the low, maybe I'll win a few. Uh, so you were trying to middle game. So you, you were getting cute. You didn't. You had no – losing didn't bother you at that point of your life, apparently, right? No, nah, it was strictly about the action. I mean, of course I love to win, but at the end of the day, I mean, I was going back. It didn't matter if I won or lost. I was just going back. I just needed it. It was, you know, I was feeding the habit. It was a drug. Um, I enjoyed and I was taking the pain that I had inside it, and, and I was trying to get rid of it. Yeah, so I, I'm glad you brought that part up. You know, Dan and I talk a lot on this show that a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people use gambling the way some people use alcohol, some people use drugs to try to hide from, you know, personal pain. If you don't mind me asking, what was going on in your life that you think, looking back now, that you were trying to kind of self-medicate and hide from? So when I was in my early 20s, I started uh, suffering from severe, uh, excuse me, severe de depression. And uh, quite honestly, thought it was something like a seasonal affective disorder. And I had gone to uh, numerous uh, pharmacologists, psychologists, you know, you name it. And 
I got to a point where I got so ill that I became diagnosed as bipolar. And, uh, you know, I ended up stint in the hospital for a few days. I mean, my life was out of control and I was in so much pain that there would be times I couldn't get out of bed for weeks, sometimes mm. months. Mm. I would go through this period and I just, I needed something to fill the void. And Danny, in, in a lot of ways, gambling's no different than alcohol and drugs when it comes to trying to ease the pain, right? Yeah, it, it hits the body in so many ways that are similar without putting a substance in your body. And, you know, something that Matt said earlier about betting both sides of the game, you know, I, I mean, I laughed at it because it's funny now thinking about it. But, Matt, I did the same exact thing, and he just brought me back to something I had forgotten about for so long, betting both sides because I was so convicted on one side, but then I would pay for some of those scamdy cappers, you know, and their picks would go the other way. And I, and I was so scared, and I was so afraid, but I wanted action. I would just bet the other side lose the vig, and just go on with my day. Because it, there was still action, but I, I almost became such a paranoid gambler. I actually hated gambling at the very end. But I had to do it because it was the only way I could feel alive and deal with the stuff that was kind of causing that emotional distress. Matt, what was the, uh, the, the epiphany? What was the like, bottom-of-the-barrel moment for you gambling? Because I, I imagine at some point you, uh, you ran out of money, needed money, uh, Found other ways to get money. So I guess it's a double question. One, financially, how did the gambling hurt you? And what are kind of the lengths you went to get money to gamble with? And then B, you know, what was that, you know, you know, lowest moment as a, as a gambling addict? Well, a couple things. One was, um, you know, I was basically taking the money that I was earning in the financial service industry, again, feeding my habit. And it just seemed like, you know, every few months I, I had to get into that spiral a situation where I had to get back on my feet and say, hey, I got to earn money because I'm losing it all. That's number one. Number two is I was uh, just about to get married and I was taking all the money that I was saving and I was losing it. And the last piece that really hit home for me was when I went to my bachelor party in Atlantic City and I literally, and I was paying for my own wedding, got down to my last $500. And I was literally going to walk out of that casino you know, with my tail between my legs and say to my, you know, future wife, hey, sorry, but we got no money. Um, and I, I don't know if God was looking down on me, but I'm, I got all the money back and we had our wedding. But, you know, my life still started to spiral in different directions from that point on. Was there a moment where people close to you, whether it was your wife at the time or fiance or, you know, parents or buddies came to you and said, hey, Matt, what's going on? You're not yourself. There's something something's up. No, when it came to the gambling, I mean, I was really good at hiding it. Um, even though people knew I was a gambler, I was just really good at doing it. And I was really good at, you know, getting up in the morning, doing my job, even though that I had those mental health issues that uh, persisted. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, my wife knew I was gambling. She just didn't really know the extent of it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That's, uh, I mean, to me, I look back on it and... The ability to look people dead in the eye, knowing that you got all this other crap swirling around you and show no sign of it, really is fascinating that we're capable of doing it. It's also, there's there's moments in my life now, and I've been, you know, over three years now without wagering, where it almost bothers me that I was capable of doing it because you become a world-class liar, essentially, and you hide it so well. Like, you know, I'm on the radio and on TV every day, and there's four guys who sit three feet away from me who know me intimately. And I know them who had no idea. And there's a part of that that kind of scares me that I was capable of doing that. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with you as well. I mean, I had friends, and you know, they would sit next to me as well, and and, and you knew what was going on. But at the end of the day, we were, we were just all having fun. I mean, it was a really difficult time, though fun at times in my life. Well, we're gonna find out what uh, set Matt straight and got him to actually admit he had a problem and get help. We'll talk more with Dan as well. This is hello, my name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you, Dan Trelauer, of course, Epic Risk Management, and, of course, the sponsor of this show, 1-800-GAMBLER, better known as the New Jersey Council on Compulsive Gambling. Matt's in Florida and kind enough to join us. Matt, before I get to you know that last moment that made you realize you needed help, uh, and I apologize for asking such a personal question, but knowing that you suffered from depression and at some point had to have felt kind of the walls caving in, was there ever a moment when you thought, hey, maybe I'm better off not waking up tomorrow? Absolutely. Um, you know, my wife and I had uh, somewhat split up for a couple of months and uh, basically packed my bags and said, get out. And, uh, I packed my bags and went, you know, across the world to, uh, you know, uh, England. And I don't know what I was doing there, except that I had a sack of money from Atlantic City and I was having fun. And my life was so out of control uh, to the point where I was on the phone with my wife uh, the last night that I was there for over three hours. And I was literally at the point of, you know, ending it there. Um, I didn't have a plan or anything, but it was getting to the point where, Life was just so uh, miserable for me, and I didn't know which way to turn, and I was just begging for some sort of uh, relief. Uh, what was uh, So what's that last moment that made you wake up and say, okay, I'm going to go get myself some help. I got a problem. Did something happen? Was there just some kind of emotional or mental epiphany that I don't want to live this way anymore? Uh, what, could you mind walking us through that? Sure. I, I, I just couldn't take the pain anymore. You know, I... I not only addicted to gambling, I my whole life was addicted to pain, um, and that became such an issue for me that I couldn't stop, you know, spiraling down to that destructive pattern. And I finally said to myself when I was on the phone with my wife that night, "I, I got to get help." I came home, I I, I got a, a psychiatrist. I started going seeking, you know, help on a regular basis. But to, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, the psychiatrist only helped so much because. He wasn't an expert on gambling. I said, I got to get into these meetings. And, you know, my my career was going up and down and up and down. And I was going nowhere. All I was doing was just trying to figure a way out of, you know, the mess that I was in as far as my life. Right. And then I started going to Gambles Anonymous. And that's what started to change my life. And was it immediate? Uh, did you kind of question it at first? Did you find the right room right away? And kind of what was your process to finally acknowledging, looking in the mirror at least, and saying, hey, I'm a compulsive gambler. And I only ask you that because, for me, it was not the first meeting. It took me a, a while, and it wasn't until I was actually in rehab. I've told the story so many times in this show. You know, in Prescott, Arizona, at Algamas, where you're 12, 13 or so other people in the room, you know, when they described their gambling, the way they processed it mentally and emotionally, to me it felt like they stole a script that I had written. And I figured no one else in the world has ever processed gambling the way I do. And it wasn't until I met those people when they said every word for word the way I had felt about it, that I finally acknowledged, shoot, I got a problem. Um, so I wonder if you had the same kind of moment. Sure. So um, at the time, I was living in New York, and I started attending meetings. 
And, you know, things were going okay, but I went back out and started gambling again because, you know, I looked at it and said, you know, these guys, I'm not like them. You know, I got a good job and I'm earning money and I'm looking at and hearing these stories. And, you know, I just thought I was different. I had this ego the size of, you know, Antarctica, and I needed to just, you know, get out there and do more damage. And that's what I did. I went out and did more damage. And at the end of the day, finally, when I moved down to Florida, I started taking, you know, the program a lot more serious. And I was about 11 years into pro into the program without placing a wager. But here's the biggest issue. I still had all this pain. And I was still lying. And I was still cheating. And I was still feeling for myself. And I was taking risks in so many different parts of my life that I finally just said, wow, what am I doing? So finally, one night on a Sunday evening at a meeting, it was raining outside. I was banging my head on the desk. I said, I can't take this anymore. I threw my hands up and I said, just take me away. Help me. And I threw my hands up and I gave into the program. And since that day, I started working the steps of recovery and that changed my life. Well, that sounds awesome. And I, to be clear, GA is not for everybody. But for those people that we've had on this show uh, that you know, swear by you know, the steps and GA and you know, getting a sponsor and meeting people who are like-minded, it absolutely can be, and for many people, is life-saving. Um, and now here you are 20 years later. You know, uh, Dan and I talk a lot about, does there ever a moment when you recognize all the amazing open mental space you have <laughs> now that you're not you're chasing money, gambling, worrying about it, all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, you know, now, I mean, life's a lot different. Um, you know, I could wake up in a in a horrible mood and, you know, have thoughts of, you know, whether it be gambling or women or drugs or whatever the case may be. But I know now from doing the work that I've done over the past, you know, eight, nine years since I started really taking recovery part of the program serious, I look back at it now and I say to myself, I have all these different coping skills and I have all these ways to, you know, get myself from a negative way of thinking to a positive way of thinking. I mean, all I have to do is pick up a phone and I can speak to somebody and tell them what's going on and they can give me their experience, strength and hope what's worked for them. And I'm like, wow, I get off the phone. I'm like, look look what's going on. I mean, even this interview today, I feel like, wow, this is fantastic. This is the best therapy I've had all morning. It's good for me, too. It's one one of the selfish reasons that we do the show is that, for me, it's like therapy. I'm talking to people who get it. And it's hard sometimes, whether it's a wife or buddies or whatever it may be, as much as they care about you and love us, uh, and Dan, you could speak to this, they'll never truly get it because they haven't experienced it in the manner we did. Now, they had their own experiences, you know, in the manner that we hurt them, for sure. But unless you talk to a guy or gal that's been through it, no one else can really, really, truly get it. Right, Dan? Yeah, and that's why, you know, I mean, even spouses and loved ones have support networks. And they need that through whether it's the Fellowship of Gammonon or other recovery um, methods out there. They have their own unique story behind watching each of us fall. And it's humiliating at times. Uh, oftentimes it is. And so they've been hurt and devastated. So that's why they need their support group. But that mental space, and, you know, one thing that Matt said, I was thinking about the old adage, you know, you basically get sick and tired of being sick and tired because, you know, we're going to stop gambling when the pain of continuing is greater than the pain of stopping because we can't take the pain anymore. Matt, you you hit it right on the head. I agree. Matt, last couple things for you. Um, 
there's a lot of people listening to this show that are at, you know, kind of day one. They woke up today and they're like, you know what, I'm listening to the show. I'm, I'm one of those guys. I think I have a problem. And they're, you know, they're overwhelmed with all the stuff that we've all experienced that are in our past now. Um, there's people listening who have loved ones who they're worried about. Hey, you know, that sounds similar, you know, to my son, my brother, my buddy, that kind of thing. Uh, I wonder if you would share with people that here you are 20 years later, and specifically the last eight years where you really uh, dove into it, you know, all in. You know, for those people that are at the very beginning of this, can you just walk them through in your experience that you can repair relationships, you can get back on your feet financially, life can be good again, and uh, you'll be filled with great joy and things of that nature? For sure. Um, the first thing I want to say for everybody that's listening out there is that I'm a major miracle because I don't I, I didn't believe that, you know, almost 20 years ago, I'd be where I am today. And I'm not just talking about financially. I'm talking about emotionally, physically, things of that nature. And when I look back on things, you know, I, I've been married now uh, 26 years. The first seven years of, of my marriage, my wife wanted to, you know, kick me out the window, you know, as many times as I can even think. Um, and she's still with me today. She's stuck with me through thick and thin because I've, I've been honest with her, you know, since I started taking the program seriously. So that's the first thing, you know, as far as relationships are concerned. Because I can tell you right now, without my wife, I wouldn't be here today. Because, yes, I had the support of my, uh, you know, family and, and Gambles Anonymous, but my wife stuck with me through thick and thin, as I just mentioned, and she's been a rock by my side. As far as, you know, professionally and financially, man, my life was just, you know, like I said before, up and down and up and down in my career. I mean, I was a very successful uh, individual right out of college, and then I lost everything because I gambled, I lied, I cheated, I stole, I did everything under the bus, and man, I got my life back. I got my life back because I finally did the most important thing in my life, which was not only get honest with others, but I finally got honest with myself that I had a problem. And that not only with that, I was finally willing and I was open-minded to do whatever it took to get better because that's what I wanted. I wanted one thing, and that was peace in my life because that pain was so, ooh, it was harsh, and I wanted to get rid of it. And what I do now is that even though that those character defects still persist at times, I know that I can eliminate them at any given moment that I want. Without turning to drugs or gambling or other bad decisions. Yeah. Right. Right. So you, you basically, you know, and I'm very similar in that regard. You got to drop your ego, leave it at the door, acknowledge that you don't have all the answers. You're not, you know, God's gift kind of thing, kind of thing. <laughs> and figure out a way to, to uh, cope with and find solutions when problems arise. Because, listen, life's full of problems. But rather than turn to you know bad decisions, lying, cheating, stealing, all that stuff, gambling, drinking, doing drugs, whatever it is, that there is a, a much you know easier and even more direct way to solve life's problems. And it sounds like 20 years later you've been doing that. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing the story. I think stories like yours really you know humanize the addiction. And Dan, you know, you know yeah. we talk all the time how it's the only addiction that has the word degenerate in front of it. It's also the only addiction that you can hide in plain sight. So I think you agree that people like Matt sharing their story help humanize what a lot of people don't know anything about, and that is gambling addiction. 
Yeah, I agree. And, and and thank you, Matt, for sharing. And just like we we as you and I have talked about, Craig, on the air, off the air with our guests, you know, you can't you can't give a positive urine screen for someone with a gambling addiction. Someone's gonna pee dice, right? You can do it for <laughs> drug and alcohol, but you can be sitting in a room full of people and you don't know which one of them is struggling or falls along that continuum somewhere, maybe from social gambling all the way up to full blown disordered gambling. And as we've talked about, with the more marketing, the more advertisements that start coming out and the promotions, our young folks are seeing this. And this is a this is a pending public health issue that's growing and it's coming for us. And that's why we need to educate. We need to focus on prevention and we need shows like this podcast so we can spread the word. Well, Matt, I appreciate your time this morning, pal. Thank you so much. Thanks, Greg. Yep. Dan, as always, appreciate your time. Um, you know, my mantra these days when it comes to sports gambling and all the sites that are out there that are marketing and crazy ways to get you to, you know, sign up is to be smart and don't chase. There's not a single handicapper on the planet who's any better at picking games than you are. So whatever money you have set aside to gamble, do it responsibly. If you lose, be smart, don't chase and live to fight another day. And if you are making bad decisions around gambling and financial matters because of your gambling, please pick up the phone and talk to someone. Whether it's a GA meeting or not isn't, isn't the, the import of that. It's talking to someone that might be able to help you out so you don't go down the same road that I went down, that Dan went down, and then Matt went down because it's a very tough road to come back from. Although capable, it's, uh, it brings a lot of pain to a lot of people in your life. Matt, thank you so much. You be well. and Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks. Thanks, guys. All right, Dan, as always, see you again uh, next Saturday at 930, uh, as we'll be talking to a famous rugby player, I think, next Saturday, who also uh, walked the same steps that we walked. So I'm really fascinated and looking forward to that next week. Uh, Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. This was another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Evan Roberts is coming up next. And then Evan and I back together again Monday at 2 o'clock, Jets Getting ready to play the New England Patriots. Giants (laughs) having just played the Rams. Enjoy the rest of your weekend here on The Fan.